Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com. All right, we're in this series called Apocalypse How, and if you're just jumping in with us, that's okay. Uh, I've been, I have labored to make this thing sustainable. Like if you only hear one at a time, it still will be beneficial for you. But really, um, you'll get the most out of it if you hear all of it. Okay, so anyone who's been here the last uh, four, this is week four, if you've been a part of all of it, they'll tell you it's been a lot, but it's been good. You know, anybody want to say amen to that? There's been a lot of deep, rich stuff, and I, I want to invite you into uh, that same richness but today might not uh, do that for you. you might, you're probably gonna have to go back and watch it if you haven't. If this is your first part of the series, are you with me? Um, I'm also been going as slow as I can, but it's kind of like a rubber band. I think I've been like pulled back, and now it's like, shoop, yeah, we're gonna go fast today. That's just what's gonna happen. It's 100% meat on the menu, no milk. All right, so you need to pray for your own spiritual jaw muscles because we're about to chew a lot. All right. Okay. Let me give you. Uh, the purpose, the purpose of this series overall is to break off fear of the apocalypse and to break through the pride of the know-it-all, all right? Because there's usually two people, the people who are afraid and the people who feel like they have all the answers, okay? And so I don't want anyone afraid and I don't want anyone in pride, amen? Both are sins, just so you know. So <laughs> I don't want you participating in those things because it's not good for you. You know, sin kills you. It hurts you, right? So fear kills you. Pride kills you. Um, I'll just let you know, this is one of the most divisive topics in the church, the end times, things like that. I have gotten threats while teaching this series. A couple weeks ago, I was given seven days to repent publicly, and, and then the seven days passed, and I didn't, and nothing happened, so I made it somehow. Thank you for praying for me. I don't know. You subverted a disaster by your prayers. I'm taunting that because it's worth taunting. It's that ridiculous. I'm sharing with you out of obedience from the Word of God, and it's all submission done in humility. I don't, I'm not right about everything. I don't know everything. I don't have letters next to my name. I've been with Jesus. He talks to me. This is what he told me. I'm sharing it with you because he told me to. That's it. That's it. And you ha- might have a very different opinion, and that's fine. I have friends, dear friends, who do ministry, who disagree with me on this stuff in a major way, and we're still friends. Imagine that. So can we grow up a little bit and disagree without dishonoring? Is that okay? Facebook, is that okay? (laughs) Just want to know. Okay, so let me give you my interpretive statement. This is my interpretive statement. The book of Revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ written in sign language to the loving servants of God. And if it doesn't make you happy when you're reading it, you're reading it wrong. wrong. Right. You said the right thing, but it's wrong. If, you're, if it doesn't make you happy when you're reading it, you're reading it wrong. Okay? Here's the truth. This is an absolutely true statement. Christ is going to come through his body before he comes in his body. Look at me. Christ is going to come through his body before he comes in his body. The fullness of Christ, his love, all the fruits of the Spirit, is going to come out of the mature church before 
the body, the embodied Christ comes back. We believe in a bodily return of Jesus Christ. Our job is to hasten the day of the Lord by becoming like him on the earth. Are you with me? So Christ is going to come through his body in fullness before he comes in his body on the last day. Are you with me? We are living in the last days. The last days of you being impatient. The last days of you being unloving. The last days of you being unkind. The last days of you having no self-control. We're living in the last days of the church being a jerk. We're living in the last days of waiters and waitresses hating to work on Sundays. We are living in the last days of you being anything but like Christ. That's what we're living in. It's about getting an unveiling of Jesus. And what has happened here in this moment in Revelation I'm going to jump into is Jesus has written letters to the churches. We're going to jump into the seven letters to the seven churches, okay? Now, these are physical churches in John's day. Are you with me? Say physical churches. Yeah. But just like Paul wrote letters to physical churches, and we apply it today, Jesus wrote a letter through John, and we can apply it today. Are you with me? So we're not going to even get into what was for each church individually. We're just going to jump to the place where it says to the one who has ears to hear, let him hear what he says to the churches, plural, because there are things written to those local churches for that time, and there are things written to the church for all time. Are you with me? We can apply the things that were written to the local churches for that time. We can apply those things. Yeah? You with me? Just like we do Paul's letters. But we're going to talk about the things written to the church for all time today. Because it says, to the one who overcomes, to the one who conquers. Are you with me? So today, it's called the conquering church revealed. Say conquering. conquering. The conquering church revealed. There are seven descriptions and promises of what the overcoming church looks like in all her glory embedded within these seven letters. Are you guys okay? I haven't sped up yet. I'll tell you when I'm about to go fast. All right? So stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> seven descriptions and promises of the conquering church. These descriptions should unveil you to you. It should reveal the conquering church that is. You might not feel like you're very victorious. You've been wrong before. I've been wrong twice, you know. Maybe you've been wrong. Way more than that, yeah. So you could be wrong about you not being a conqueror. Possible? Yes? No? Okay. Yeah, you could be wrong. You know what pride, the definition of pride is? I can't be wrong. So don't be prideful. Could you be wrong? Yes. Okay, you could be wrong. Yeah, you're welcome. I just broke pride off your life. <laughs> Say it with me. I don't need to be right. I need to know the truth. The spirit of legalism and the political spirit both need to be right. They come in knowing the, what is right, and they're going to fight for that rightness. But it doesn't advance the righteousness of God because it sacrifices his righteousness on the altar of being right. Today, you don't need to be right. You need to know the truth. Amen? I don't need to be right. I need to know the truth. Amen? Amen. Okay. We're going to jump into it. Here are the seven churches. It's Ephesus, okay, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I hope I read them all just now. Okay? So these are the seven churches. And if you read uh, Revelation, you know, end of one, chapter two, verse three, two through three. That's all the letters, okay? So you can go back and read those. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to tell you what the name of each church, their name actually means, okay? And what it means for us, 
because each one has a de- their name means something very interesting. And then I'm going to read the promise and the description of the conquering church that will be revealed today. Are you with me? I'm trying to put it in a box for you. All right. So Ephesus, the first one, first one mentioned. That is the word, their name Ephesus, that means desirable or deeply loved by God. Is anyone here deeply loved by God? Oh, yeah. So to Ephesus, right, to the deeply loved by God, right? Remember, there are things written to that Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, those people, and there are things written to us. So to those who are deeply loved by God, write these things. And then it says in Revelation 2, 7, here's the promise. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. Say churches. That means it's not just for those people. It's for all that call themselves the church. Are you with me? Is this making sense? It's to the churches, okay? To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, these things, to the one who conquers, the one who overcomes, the one who conquers, these things are often, when spoken of, spoken of in like the distance, like in the millennium or whatever, you know, over there sometime, whatever, in heaven. I am going to prove to you today that they are actually yours right now. That this is the conquering church revealed. The tree of life mentioned in this verse is a picture of eternal life given to us at salvation. Because according to Genesis chapter 3 verse 22, it says, if you eat of the tree of life, you will live forever. Genesis 3.22. Oh, I apologize to you note takers in advance. I'm so sorry. Just, I'm going to go way too fast. It's recorded. Genesis 3.22, though. There you go. Eat of the tree of life, you'll live forever. Jesus said in John 11.26, anyone who believes in him will never die. So it sounds like believing in him is eating of the tree of life. If eating of the tree of life means you will never die, and Jesus said if you believe in me, you'll never die, then you've already eaten of the tree of life as soon as you believe in Jesus. John 3.36 says anyone who believes in Jesus already has eternal life. It's already yours. Eternal life is not waiting for you on a cloud somewhere. Eternal life is in your chair. What are you doing with it? All right? It's yours right now. Anyone who believes in him has eternal life. John 3.36. It's also a picture of walking with the spirit of wisdom because the spirit of wisdom in Proverbs 3.13 through 18 I'm not going to read it all, but it talks about the spirit of wisdom. She says, she is more precious than jewels. Long life is in her right hand. Uh, Her ways are the ways of pleasantness. Second slide should say, all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. So walking in wisdom, which is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. Are you with me? Walking in wisdom means you're partaking of the tree of life. So to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life. The fact that you're eating of the tree of life means you've already conquered. This is the conquering church revealed. That's one church down. Six to go. Are you ready? I am now going to go quickly. Okay. I'm trying to be kind in my quickness, you know. I'm trying to be nice. All right. The next one they write to is Smyrna, okay? And Smyrna literally means myrrh, okay? Myrrh is actually the Hebrew word for tears from a tree, It's the word for trials and suffering. Jesus was giving an embalming spice, an embalming liquid at his birth, myrrh. Okay? He was born to die. It means the word trials and suffering. So Ephesus, beloved of God, deeply loved, 
Smear in the next one, trials and suffering. Anybody have one of those before? A trial or a suffering? Anybody having one right now? Come on, sister, testify. It's good. This is written to you. Hello. This is written for you. It says, Revelation 2.11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the, help me, churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Now, what is the second death? Before we get there, I have to clarify, because Jesus said you're never going to die, right? Right. Even though we're going to live forever, Paul said most of us are going to throw off our earthly tent, 2 Corinthians 5.1, meaning we're not going to die. We're just going to graduate. I'm going to lose this temporal body and get an eternal body. Are you with me? Okay. So I'm just going to step into the cloud of witnesses. One day, hopefully, God is going to Enoch me right up. He's going to Enoch me up. All right. <laughs> Enoch is someone who walked with God and was no more for God took him. He just disappeared. I'm into it. That's my plan. That's my plan. Maybe today while I'm preaching, if the Lord wills, whatever, just the mic drops and I leave. You're like, it's the movie. No, it's not. Okay, just letting you know, if that happens, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> so he, Paul also said, even though we'll throw off our early tent, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, I don't have these on the screen for you. He also said, not all of us will sleep, but all of us will be transformed. So we're not all going to have an earthly death, but we all will be transformed. Come on. The church has more faith for arthritis than for that. I have no plan to grow old the longer I use this body. Caleb in the first covenant, the lesser obsolete covenant, said, I'm just as strong at 80 as I was when at 40. I'm in the new and better covenant. I'm going to be stronger at 80 than I am at 40. Because I go from glory to glory. Why? 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Not all of us will sleep, but all of us will be transformed. I don't plan on sleeping a day of my life. I plan on serving every single day, all the way till my last day. Are you with me? All right. So what is the second death? If it's talking about the second death, the, the reality is every, every believer has already died. In Christ, you're already dead. All right, this is the main message of this house. But Colossians 3.3, Galatians 2.20, Romans 6.6, there are more. They say you died, right? Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. You dead, all right? You died already. So what is the second death? You actually qualify for the second death because you've already died. Now, what is the second death? The second death is putting off the earthly tent in the fires of martyrdom. The second death is dying the death of a martyr. A martyr is someone who dies for their faith because they refuse to give up in believing in Jesus. So God is saying the martyr's death will not hurt. The second death will not hurt. Listen, church history faithfully records that the martyrs of old in the early church days went to their death singing. They were in the flames joyfully, rejoicing to the Lord as they were pierced on their side, burned at the stake, celebrating God with happiness on their face all the way till their last breath. You will not be hurt by the second death. Come on. Church tradition is there. You can look that up. The early church was ravaged by martyrdom. This is the conquering church revealed. This is who you are. Pergamum, next one. Pergamum means elevated places. It means seasons of praise and honor. So uh, seasons, I'm sorry, of praise and favor, okay? So 
deeply loved by God, trials and suffering, elevated places from the valley to the mountain, whatever phase of life you're in, this is written to you. Revelation 2.17 says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches to the one who conquers i will give some of the hidden manna and i will give him a white stone with a new name written on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it all right let's break down these pictures because again these are symbols you remember written in sign language the angel signified it to john this whole thing is a book of symbols okay so the hidden manna what is that a symbol of it's a picture of the mysteries of god manna literally means what is it okay it means what's that all right it's not what's app, it's what's that, all right? It's what is that stuff? The Israelites in the wilderness were like, what is that? We're supposed to eat it? And they're like, yeah, eat it. And it was like, oh, it's pretty good, yeah. So they were like, what is it? It's the wonder bread of heaven, all right? It's bread that makes you wonder, okay? It's the mysteries of God. And Jesus said that his disciples have been given the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 13, 11. Jesus said, if you're a disciple, you've already been given the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Colossians 2.3 says we are those who have access to all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. Maybe you've already been given some of the hidden manna. Hello? We've been given everything according to life and godliness. Every blessing in the spiritual realms is yours in Christ Jesus. It's all yours. It's already been given to you. So it says he will give to them, the one who conquers the one who's going, who's in the elevated place of season and favor, they will get mysteries. They will get mysteries from heaven. Yeah? Are you okay? So what is the white stone? The white stone with a new name that only the one who receives it knows. Well, in ancient courts uh, of justice, like a courtroom, the accused were condemned by a little black pebble. They would throw a black pebble, and that would be an uh, a condemnation sentence. But the acquitted were given a white pebble. They would throw a white pebble in. And this word for stone is the word for voting pebble. Okay? He says, I will give you a white voting pebble. It's not just a stone. It's a white voting pebble. All right? This is really amazing because Jesus is saying, I will give each one who is an overcomer, a conqueror, I'll give each one a personalized vote of acquittal. You have your own personalized vote of acquittal from Jesus himself. Acquittal means cleared of all wrongdoing totally forgiven. Have you been forgiven of your sins in Christ Jesus? Are you sure? Yeah. Then he's already thrown that stone in the courtroom of heaven. Say, acquitted, forgiven. Come on. Come on. All right. The word here for knows that, right, a name on it that no one knows except the one who receives it, right? The word knows is not the normal word to know. Okay, it's not gnosko or any of those normal ones. It's actually the one spelled E-I-D-O, and you pronounce it, I do, <laughs> which is just fun, all right? It's not theological. I can't build a theology off of it because language cross, you know, whatever, etymological, whatever. It doesn't work out, but it's fun to think we have to pronounce it, I do, and in English, we say, I do at a wedding, and we're the bride of Christ. It's those who know those who have the I do in their heart. But it's not just knowing. It's seeing that becomes knowing. You know, you say, I'll see it when I, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I believe it because I've seen it. That's this kind of knowing. Seeing that becomes knowing. You only know because you've seen it for yourself. It's a personal encounter with the truth of your redemption. It's you cannot be talked out of it. You've been forgiven. Okay, that's what that word means. All right? So, I have an opinion about this. Say, this is Caleb's opinion. I always do the kindness of telling you when I'm going to tell you my opinion. 
Everybody preaches their opinion. Very few tell the truth that they're preaching their opinion. I'm telling you the truth. This moment right here is my opinion. I believe that white stone has the same name for everyone. I believe it says beloved. It's not about the name. It's about knowing you're the beloved. Seeing that becomes knowing. Only the person who receives it can know. Because if I can talk you into the kingdom, somebody can talk you right out. But if you have an encounter with the truth of it, it can't be taken. That's what that word means. Amen? This is the conquering church revealed. She knows she's saved. She's forgiven. She's acquitted of all her wrongdoing. Amen? Come on. This is a key to unlock the conquering spirit inside of you. Are you with me? All right. Thyatira. We're about halfway. Are you guys, girls, okay? We're just checking, okay. You know, this helps. This helps. Both of them help, you know, when you... Yeah, no, uh uh-huh, yeah. All right, Thyatira. Thyatira means the incense of affliction. And this is a picture of learning to overcome hardships. All right, not just getting through it, but getting through it well. Have any of you overcome hardships? Have any of you, like, what would, if something happened to you today that would have happened 10 years ago, it would have thrown you off for an entire month, but now you just got a couple minutes and you can resettle yourself. Anybody? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You are Thyatira. You have learned to overcome hardship, the incense of affliction. Affliction has turned into incense. It's actually a sweet-smelling thing. You're grateful for what you went through. Anybody in here? Is this letter written to anybody? You're grateful for what you went through. In the moment when you're going through it, you're not grateful, but when you get on the other side... Hey, this is the truth, man. When you get on the other side, you're like, wow, thank you, Lord. You really used that. And now if you go through something similar, you're like, no big deal. I have the incense of this affliction. Sorry, Tyra. This is written to you. Revelation 2, 26 through 29. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. Even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Authority over the nations is the inheritance of the saints. Okay? This is a direct quote. John wrote that, but it's Jesus said it, but he's quoting David from Psalm chapter 2. Yeah, it's all the way back in the Psalms. Let me read you Psalm 2, 8 through 9. Yeah, how does it feel like, you know, when we get to heaven, we can ask David, how does it feel for Jesus to quote you, you know? (laughs) Anyway, I know Jesus gave him the words to say, but he wrote it down. All right, (laughs) calm down. All right, authority over the nations. Psalm 2, 8 through 9 says, ask of me, and I I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. That's exactly what John said in Revelation. It's the exact quote. He's quoting Psalm chapter 2. Are you getting the picture here? This was already yours. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations. Before Jesus ever wrote that letter through John to Thyatira, that was on the table. Ask of the Lord. He'll give you the nations. Are you with me? Come on. Come on. Not only that, it says that I will send you out, right? Even as I myself received authority from my Father, we have been sent out in the same authority as a son. John 20, 21 says, even as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Did you know that when you walk in the room, it's just as powerful as when Jesus walks in the room? What are you doing with all that juice? (laughs) How much mercy are you giving? How much kindness? How much forgiveness? How much healing? How many miracles? Hello? This is the conquer. I'm trying to reveal you to you. 
Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is the Great Commission. I'm not going to read it all, but it says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore you go. How much authority? All. Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, they all mean all, okay? All means all, all right? All authority. That's what we're walking in. So we've been given the same authority as Jesus. Come on, if anyone wants to get happy, that's really good news, all right? And then he says this very interesting statement. I will give you the morning star. Now let me just help you. Jesus is the morning star. That's not my opinion. That's the truth. And I'm going to be emphatic about that on purpose. You'll understand in a minute. Jesus is mentioned as such in Revelation 22, 16. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. Amen? He also references that in 1 Peter 2, 19. Now, the reason I'm being emphatic here is because Satan is also called that in Isaiah 14, verse 12. Satan is called the star of the dawn, the morning star, okay? And we have to see these things with the eyes of revelation or else we're going to get real confused. Is it Jesus, the morning star, or is it Satan? Well, just in the question, I think we can answer pretty easily. If Jesus calls himself something, he is it. So Satan is not it. I know it says, oh, Bright morning star, Isaiah 14, 12. But it refers to him wanting to bring the nations low. Same thing. Take authority over the nations. Oh, bright morning star. I'd like to submit to you. This is a submission done in humility and will make people angry. I don't care. Not here, hopefully. None of you. All the professional Christians over there somewhere will get angry. That statement in Isaiah 14 is the Holy Spirit working through Isaiah to taunt the devil, not give him a title. It's a taunt, not a title, because it says, oh, you day spring of the dawn, you star of the dawn, you have been brought low. You thought you wanted to take the place of the bright morning star. That's why he was cast to the earth. That's what it goes on to say in Isaiah 14. It's a taunt, not a title. Jesus, I'm, I'm, Jesus is the bright morning star. Are you with me? Okay. I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> it's a taunt, not a title. So important because some people get really confused. I will give you the morning star, the one who conquers. I will give you Satan. What? And people are like, oh, it's authority over Satan. Well, I have that, but that's not what he's saying. You're like, don't taunt the devil. Like, why? He lives right here, right here. That's his house. Yeah. Right here. He doesn't get to leave. I don't let him leave. I had a big God and a tiny little unimportant devil. <laughs> God is saying to you that I will give you the star that breaks the dawn, the anointing to rule over nations, bringing them out of darkness and into light. Why? Because you're, the, you're one with the Son of God, the bright morning star himself. He's saying, I will give you myself. Have you received the spirit of Christ? Has he not given you himself? Hello? He will give you that. We don't wait for the darkness to pass. We break the dawn. You shouldn't be praying for darkness to leave. You should be praying for where to shine, asking where to shine. Don't look at the darkness and complain. Look at the darkness and get excited. It's really easy to shine in the dark. Real easy. Break the dawn. Go break the dawn because you're one with the dawn breaker. Amen? Amen. This is the conquering church revealed. Next church, Sardis. Sardis means those who escape. And this is a picture 
prophetically of breaking free from your past. Has anyone broken free from their past? You used to act one way, and now you act another way. Hallelujah. Come on, testify. You've been broken free from your past. Amen? Sardis. That's what it means. So anyone who's broken free of their past, this is for you. Oh, sorry. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Back to the ruling the nations thing, that whole thing. You will rule the nations. You will rule the nations when you rule yourself. To the one who overcomes. To the one who conquers. When you learn to release the conquering grace that's inside of you to rule over the dishes, he'll give you the block. Okay? Everybody's like, we take authority over the gates of the city. I'm like, you can't balance your checkbook. We batter the gates of hell. It's like, you, you, you can't even keep your oil in your car, man. You've given us nations. Yeah, he's given you nations, but you ain't ready for nations. You got laundry. Okay. <laughs> You'll rule over the nations when you learn to rule yourself. Hello? And not before. Why? Because that rod you're supposed to rule with will crush you if you don't have the character to carry it. You're welcome. All right. Sorry, it's a little out of order. Here we go. Sardis, those who escape, breaking free of their past. Revelation 3, 5 through 6 says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's right. White garments refer to the righteousness of God. White is a picture of righteousness in the Bible over and over again. Isaiah 61.10 says, you've covered me in the robes of righteousness. All right? Psalm 132, 8 through 9 says, your priests wear the robes of righteousness. All right? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? All right? There's three references to you already being righteous. You're not righteous because you did right. You're righteous because he is right and because he gave it to you as a gift. His works, not yours. Amen? Amen. So, you already have those robes. You must be a conqueror. Are you getting the picture here? This is the conquering church revealed. Now, our name in the book of life, Hebrews 12, 12 through 23, says, You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festival gathering. All right, this is why I don't even like saying things like, I'm going to heaven, because it's an admittance that I'm not already there. I have come to Mount Zion. I have come to the city of the living God. I have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. I am already there. You are already there. This is what the Bible teaches over and over again. Are you with me? But then it goes on to say, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Okay, if you have come to Mount Zion, if you are a believer, if you have received forgiveness, your name is enrolled in heaven. There's a lot of weird teachings about the book of life and whether or not you get your name in there or not at the end of the age. It's all junk if it doesn't start with your yes to the Lord. Because if... You get your name in there because of what you did, then some glory and honor and praise goes to God, and some glory and honor and praise goes to you. I'm sorry. All glory, all honor, all praise goes to Jesus Christ, the living God. He does the saving, not you. You have been enrolled in the Lamb's book of life. You have been enrolled in heaven. Are you with me? And he says, I will never blot your name out. So once you're in there, you're in there, bro. He promised to never blot your name out. So he never will. Don't call him a liar. Build a theology that says different. Our name is in the book of life. 
He will confess our name before the Father and his angels. Matthew 10, 32 says, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge them before my Father, right? Have you acknowledged Jesus before men? Come on. Anyone who believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord shall be saved. That's how you got saved. You're like, will he acknowledge me in heaven? Well, are you, did you call him your Lord in front of like a person? You know, anyone, anybody, one man, find somebody say, hey, I believe Jesus is Lord. Boom. He's going, I, uh, he's saying your name before the Father as soon as you say that. Are you with me? Come on. It already happened. This is the conquering church revealed. Yeah? Philadelphia, next one. At Philadelphia means brotherly love. That's where they get it from. They get it from the Bible. But this is a picture of learning to love one another. Okay? Is anyone else learning present tense to love their neighbor? I also am learning to love you. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't learned. <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I haven't learned to love you. I'm learning. And that's okay. Come on. Just me or okay. <laughs> Man, y'all gotta get like pastors and leaders off the pedestal. Alright. This is a really short stage on purpose. Alright. You got to get it. We are real people learning to love just like you are. Give us a break, man. Stop putting expectations that we just, you, if you wouldn't put it on you, don't give it to me. How about that? Treat your neighbor as you want to be treated. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Good deal. All right. Learning to love one another. This is the church that's learning to love. All right, Revelation 3, 12 through 13 is written to anyone who's still learning to love. It sounds like there's a few of us in here. All right? It says, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right. Did you know you already are the temple of God? I am, I'd love to break it to you. Stop sending your money to a temple project, all right? Instead, just put it in your neighbor's pocket because you are the temple. I'm looking at the third temple. You want to fund the temple? Give your neighbor a 20. I'm not kidding. You are the temple. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5 says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by man, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourself are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted through Jesus Christ. You are the third temple. I found the ark. It's in your chair, man. Stop looking for the ark of the covenant. It's in your heart. This feels good to say this stuff. Like you're going to build another temple. Okay. Two rooms or three? What? If you know what I'm saying. How many, like, you're going to sew the veil back up? You start animal sacrifices again? That sounds like a bad idea. I mean, God ripped it, and you want to repair it. No, in the last days, it says he's building, he will rebuild the tabernacle of David. I don't have time for this. You are the tabernacle of David. It's an open tent, 24-7. Anybody gets to come in or out. Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter. And there's 24-7 worship. You are the tabernacle of David. Your life is supposed to be a living epistle, read for all men. Hello? Okay. 
He's building us, all right? Peter, James, and John are all called pillars of the church in Galatians 2.9. So it's obviously not just for one person or one type of people. It's for all people who are experiencing salvation, who are overcoming in the name of the Lord. Are you with me? You are the temple of God. Amen? Amen. Okay. You actually have been given the name of God. Hello? You know, like Jesus Christ, his last name is not Christ. It's Jesus, you know, son of David, Jesus, son of, you know, that it's son of, it's not Christ. Like, it's not Caleb hires Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's not like that. Okay? It's Jesus the anointed. All right? So you have been called the anointed ones, Christians. We are anointed ones because we carry the anointed one. Are you with me? Okay? And so you already have the DNA of God. That's the divine nature of Abba. Okay? Hashtag Todd White. Great quote. Divine nature of Abba. All right? You have the DNA of heaven right now. You do not need to break I, you don't need to cleanse your bloodline. You need to receive the truth that he's cleansed you at the cross. If generational curses, things like that, are operating in your life, because it's possible, if they are, they're operating illegally. They are not supposed to be there. You don't need to cleanse it or break it. You need to receive the cleansing breakthrough of him broken for you. Are you with me? It's by faith we receive these things. A lot of weird stuff about cleansing your DNA and your blood. I'm like, I, I have the DNA of heaven. Why Nothing to be cleansed in there. There's nothing dirty in there. That's why no generational curses are operating in my life. Hello? It kind of works. Okay. Not only that, understand a Hebrew concept of a name is not a, just a title. It's a character trait. It's who you are. Okay? Caleb Marcus is my first and middle name. Okay? Caleb is the Hebrew word for dog. At its etymological roots, it's dog. Uh-huh. Marcus means hammer or warlike. So if you feel like I'm barking at you or hitting you over the head with anything, it's because it's who I am. Okay? It's my character. But the word dog is more like pit bull, like dog with a bone, like wolf even. Yeah, you're right. Like you do not let go of something. You got that crazy eye look. Like if it's yours, you have it. You know, like you try to take a bone from a pit bull, that look in their eyes, that's Caleb. That's Caleb, I'm telling you. Okay, anyway, a name is a character trait. Are you with me? Are you with me? So when he calls you by his own name, he's saying, you have my character. Saying, you're like me. If the father's good, the family's good. You're just like your dad. Come on, you look just like Papa. I've seen the face of Abba, and it looks like this. It looks like the multitudes in blissed out heavenly joy. That's what it looks like. Okay. Also called the New Jerusalem. Did you know that you're not going to the New Jerusalem? You're becoming the New Jerusalem? It says the New Jerusalem came out of heaven like a bride. You're be we are the bride of Christ. You're not going to the New Jerusalem. You are the new Jerusalem. He called you the new Jerusalem in that verse. Why brotherly love? Why pillar? A pillar in the house of God. Well, we're living stones, right? And so if a living stone gets met with another living stone and they get lined up and stacked on one another, if brothers come into unity, brothers and sisters come together, it looks like a pillar. Hello? One stone stacked on another. That's what makes us a pillar. You can't be a pillar on your own. You need the brotherhood. You need the sisters of faith around you. You need to be in community, right? This is learning to love your brothers, right? Philadelphia, learning to love the brotherhood, right? Yeah? 
So how do we become a pillar in the house of God? We learn to love one another. We get in alignment with each other. We stay connected no matter what. We stay connected. We don't kick each other out of our lives. And we don't leave when it gets tough. We press in. We don't push away. Are you with me? That's a family. You don't get to choose your family. You're like, dang. <laughs> this is the conquering church revealed. The conquering church loves one another and is being built up into a spiritual house. Pillars called godlike. Given the very character and nature of God. Hello? Come on. Last one, Laodicea, and then I'll let you go. I am sorry for going long. I'm being obedient, I promise you. We very much honor your time. We honor everyone's time. We really care about your time. So we never want to, like, assume that this is all you're going to do today. All right? I don't do that. I don't play that game. That's messed up. Okay? It's wrong. It's rooted in pride. It's wrong. And it's hidden behind, well, the spirit was moving, man. We couldn't end it. Mm, your spirit was moving. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Did I, did I tell you earlier I'm learning to love? I'm learning to love. Uh, all right. <laughs> Laodicea, last one. Laodicea. I'm going to make it. Laodicea means people's rights. It means people's rights. What is this? It's a picture of surrendering your rights to God. Surrendering your human rights to God. There is a conquering church that surrenders her rights. Let me tell you who it is. You. Because when you say yes to Jesus, that's the last act of your will. Your will dies and you get his new living will. Somebody's got to get this. You get the living will of God. Okay? The inheritance is yours now. <laughs> okay? You get the living will of God. Listen, uh, I'm going to pick on somebody. Mm. Hyveson and Desiree, right here, my good friends down in the front row. All right, they're a married couple. This is a picture of Christ in the church, all right? Are you both able to do whatever you want in this relationship? You can choose. You're physically able to make choices on your own, right? Okay, Desiree, is, are his choices all free? <laughs> she laughed. No. <laughs> so he's free to choose, but his will is not free. Hyveson, is she free to do whatever she wants? Is it going to cost her? If she does something, that ain't right. Uh-huh. Hello? Your free will ended at the cross. Your choice remained intact, but it is going to cost you when you disobey. It is going to cost you when you disobey the lover of your soul. It hurts you. His will for you is always to be well and full of life. And if you sin, if you do something disobedient to the bridegroom, you don't obey his voice, it ain't free. You might will it to happen, but it's not free. You have choice, and therefore what most people call free will you have, but you don't have a totally clean slate free will. It's going to hurt. Just like in a married relationship, you're free to choose one another. That's the point. If you don't, you feel it. Are you with me? You have choice but your will is not free anymore. You don't have your own will. Your will died at the cross. You gave your life to God. When you gave your life to Jesus, he took it. Amen? He took it, and he gave you his life. 
And it's a free gift, but your will isn't free. Are you with me? Hearing what I'm saying? I'm not saying he's going to condemn you or any of that stuff. I'm saying that it will cost you relational equity. God is a person. Jesus is a person with feelings. Are you with me? So we need to surrender our rights. Are you all okay? I know. (sighs) Laodicea. This is written to those who have surrendered their rights to God, which is you. You just found out. Amen. All right. Revelation 3, 21 through 22 says, The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. Hello? As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We already are seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 6 through 7. We're already seated with him. It says, the one who conquers, I'll let you sit on my throne. You're already sitting there. What is going on? You must, have, you must be a conqueror. This is the conquering church revealed. How can I say all this? I'll tie a bow on it for you right now. Because Romans 8, verse 37 says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. You're like, I don't know if I'm a conqueror. You're right. You're not a conqueror. You're a more than a conqueror. The word is hyper-conquering. Okay? hyper-conquering. You're more than a conqueror. All of this is yours. These promises are already yours. We only need to grow up into them and lay hold of their truth by faith. Are you with me? Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com.